We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW digital football expert Pete DeWeese getting ready for the regular season finale. It's the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss now ranked 12th in the country coming off of a 35 to 3 victory over the uh, Fighting Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. Rebels now 9 and 2 overall. They'll play the SEC finale regular season finale at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs uh, 5 and 6 after a uh, 41 to 20 win over Southern Mississippi in uh, Startville last Saturday. They get together on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, 6.30 Central Time on ESPN. Uh, We'll get to that game in a moment. First, let me ask you if you would like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of. Probably would. Whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered. Home or business as a GAF Master Elite Contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland services Mississippi and its surrounding states. So you can text or call Riverland today, many of you have, 662-644-4297. All of our uh, content is brought to you also by Twisted Tea. I'll tell you a little bit more about Twisted Tea a little bit later in the show. But first, I welcome in Pete Deweese. Pete, how are you? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. We're taping this on a uh, Monday at midday. Pete is uh, hitting the road for his Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Certainly hope you and your family have very safe travels and a wonderful Thanksgiving. And everybody out there, hope that those of you who are listening, who are watching, have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving safe travels to you and yours as well. So um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I guess we'll we'll do a quick 10-second wrap-up on Louisiana Monroe. I, I'm I'm so impressed by Lane Kiffin's just candor. I'm I'm a I'm more appreciative of it than a lot of people in my field. I think they weren't losing to ULM. There really wasn't a scenario in which they would lose to ULM. ULM is kind of on quit watch. They're not very good. They've now lost nine games in a row. Ole Miss was going to beat ULM. Maybe they meant to beat them more than they beat them. Doesn't matter. It's a win. I saw people up in arms at halftime the other day. I was like, you you just you're just you're just not seeing the forest for the trees right now. It, it this is they just got through playing an, an emotional, physical uh, game at Georgia, a game that was super hyped for weeks, and um, it followed a hyped game against Texas A and M, which followed a hyped game against um, Arkansas, which followed a hyped game against LSU, and all, we you we, you get the point. And then you have a short week ahead with Mississippi State, and now Lane Kiffin, to his everlasting credit admitted out loud on the record, hey, we did something we've never done before. We started getting ready for the next one before we played that one. Might have led to us being a little flat. I'm like, thank you. This is not not hard. People get kind of up in arms about this stuff. That was was just a methodical business-like transaction on Saturday morning. We we talked last week about what the schedule looks like and the turnaround. And we talked about how last year, you know, coming home from Arkansas, getting home late, um, and and turning around and trying to play state on Thursday night. And what a blessing it was essentially to, to have ULM and not have somebody else 
um, on Saturday. And so, you know, to, to go through the, to, to make the SEC gauntlet and play two pretty big ones back to back. And, and, you know, that the game in Athens, arguably the biggest in program history, maybe the biggest in the last 20 years, whatever. It, it was a big deal nationally, locally in that locker room mm-hmm. for it to go the way that it went to come home and to say, okay, we're, we're playing a team. We are better than them. Period. This was not Tulane. This was not Georgia Tech. There was not a roster with a bunch of Power Five guys. There was not a lot to be concerned about. And and for him to say, okay, hey, we're going to go ahead. We're going to start work on the next week because we think we can play our base game. Now, that's an 11 a.m. kickoff in a not. It's not the same environment they've had at home the previous six games this season. Um, it's shuffling deck cards on the offensive line. It's, um, trying to get over a woeful defensive performance in Athens. There were so many things at hand. You don't expect them to come out and just lay an egg. And, and, And they were, they were poor in the first half. Um, but very much so they, they just, they knew they were going to win that ball game. They didn't come out inspired. And and the fact that Kiffin essentially owned it and said, hey, it's probably on us. Here's the approach. And you don't hear coaches say very often, hey, we spent this week not preparing for our opponent, but for the next one, because it's an SEC game, right? And, oh, it is the in-state team down the road that most of our fan base really cares about and all of our fan base really cares about. And so, you know, even just to admit that is, you talk about candor. I mean, you don't hear it very often, but realistically, from a from a, a player perspective, it is hard to emotionally invest yourself in that game last week. That doesn't mean you don't show up to play and you don't play with pride, but you're not going to show up with the same engine that you showed up with at seven o'clock Athens, Georgia, the week before. It's just it's not that's not natural, you know. And yeah, there's the individuals that are just wired differently. And I've certainly I've coached a couple in my time that it did not matter who we were playing, they were wired differently. I mean, one of them's playing in the NFL right now because his ass was wired differently. And so it didn't matter. We were going against the scout team and I couldn't get him to take a break. He would get Matt coach. I wanted reps. Your son, take you're good, you know. But those guys are few and far between at every level. Um in the NFL. Guys don't want to practice all the time. There's a reason that that the NFL late in the season really pulls off a of physicality. It's the same reason Lane Kiffin does. And and so all of that builds up to, and then ULM shows up. And honestly, I think ULM did some things, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that I actually thought were interesting. I went back and watched it real quickly this morning and and um ULM came in and I, I honestly think they sat in the staff room and their goal was to die a slow death. Um, so often you get teams that know they're overmatched and they come in and they just throw it all at the wall and say, let's go be as aggressive as hell and see if we can make good things happen. What ULM actually did for most of the game, especially on first down where Ole Miss likes to take shots and get into the tempo and play action and do all these things is ULM stayed back. Their goal, I keep it all in front of us. Make them just run the football, pray we can tackle the football. I think ULM probably felt good that Ole Miss wasn't going to try to run Jackson Dart a lot. That was a safe assumption. Um, and so, you know, Ole Miss, had they just lined up and run the football until it got into third and four, third and three, and then got into some, you know, bootleg play action type stuff, Honestly, I think they would have rolled the way they did in the second half. But in the first half of that game, Ole Miss was trying to play offense. I think they were trying to get the passing game reconnected a little bit. It was off at Georgia. It hasn't been great at times this season, and particularly down the field. Um, You mentioned it off air. If Watkins catches that ball, because it was one of the better deep balls we've seen Jackson Dart throw in several weeks, quite honestly. Um, if, If he catches that ball, Things things look different in 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 the first half of that game, and so it's fourteen nothing there, and then you probably get another one, and it's twenty one nothing, and you come it, out it, in the third quarter, it's thirty five nothing. You pull your starters, and it, it's kind of by plan. And at that point, right, you're up fourteen nothing. 
you get another stop, does ULM get more aggressive and give you the chance to take some of those down-the-field shots that you like to take when teams are being aggressive? And so, you know, watching it this morning and and live, I, I thought it, but you can't see everything on the television copy. And so watching it this morning on the coach's copy, just how much too high they 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 didn't add extra guys to the box and that's why you know the first play of the game Ole Miss gives up a sack because ULM plays cover four Ole Miss is trying to take a shot they keep everything in front of them they actually had a guy wide open Ole Miss was just honestly pouring the protection the left guard pulls there's a guy off the edge he gets upfield comes right back around and, and is able to make the play and so certainly not the start you wanted with your Ole Miss but if there's any better execution by the left guard there, who again probably wasn't expecting to be have to be dialed in to beat ULM, which probably I mean he should have been. We we all want to say he should have been. Um, but if he executes the first play of the game is a 40, 50 yard gain to Jordan Watkins. I think it was Watkins. It 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 may have been Harris, but um he's wide open, but Dart just doesn't have enough time. So they come out the next two plays and they hand the ball off, nine yard gain, eight yard gain. And had Ole Miss just done that the entire first half, they probably could have. Uh, there was the fourth down stop that ULM got where they rolled the dice. And that is one thing I will say, and this you know, plays a major role going into Thursday. On the coach's tape, particularly the end zone copy, you can see examples of the offensive line not communicating or not being on the same page. And some of the stops that ULM got, it is it is clear as can be where you see one guy communicating and pointing and like a t- left tackle trying to tell his guard where to go. And then the guard goes to help the center when he, the tackle's expecting him to turn out on a four eye. And so um, I think that's a big piece, you know, so that that's part of, I would wonder how much time do they actually spend looking at ULM's defensive front? versus how much time did they spend looking at Mississippi State's? And is that part of the reason you get a lot of bust early in that game? It's a very real thing. And so especially when you're playing man down, and I kind of said it last week, especially on the offensive line, anytime losing one causes you to move two or more, it's a problem up front. It really is. And so, and that's where Ole Miss has played the last couple of weeks. And so, I'm not concerned about their ability to their desire to show up and play on Thursday. This isn't last year where this Ole Miss team had some clouds hanging over their head, right? Last week was, I think, an anomaly from anything you've seen from this Ole Miss team all season. Yeah. Um, that being said, how they show up, particularly on the offensive line, but also defensively, they've got to be better against the run. Um, you know, that's what's going to make the difference on Thursday. As we start to transition to state, you know, what's interesting is there's a – I get frustrated with it. It's a, it's a media narrative that this is a different game. This game has a different intensity. And, and sometimes players play along with the media on this because they kind of feel like they're supposed to. And with Kiffin, though, you get kind of a transparency that no – they have – it's not just a word. You mentioned pros. Pro mindset. <laughs> um, pro mindset means you approach week seven the same way you approach week 12. Kiffin's biggest obstacle in his mind this week is not the emotion of the Mississippi State game or the rivalry. It's Sunday's different, now, which means Monday must be different, which means Tuesday is different. Wednesday's the day before a game and Thursday you play instead of having a walkthrough. And so he's, we have these routines and we've got to shake those up. And I'm worried about that. That's, that's his mindset. That's where his mind is. He was asked Monday, are you, you know, going to um, discuss the emotion of this game with your team? And his answer was no, no. I mean, they, 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 they know who they're playing. They know the deal. They lost last year. They want this game, but, but no, that's not something that that they bring up that that gets discussed among players, or it doesn't. You've got a team that has a lot of transfer portal guys. You got a whole bunch of guys that are brand new that didn't play in the game last year. They were somewhere else last year, um, and so there's no point in really diving into all that. 
that stuff that other players can say to other guys, hey, this is going to be a little different. It's a little, you know, whatever. But here's the thing, and and I, I, I'm going to write this probably, and you and I'll talk about this. Then we'll I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Is whether some Ole Miss people like this or not, Lane Kiffin, and most people do, but this is a byproduct of it. Lane Kiffin's goal at Ole Miss is to win nationally. It's to make the playoff next year and most years. It's to compete in that 12-team playoff, to have a shot, to get to a national semifinal, to get to a national championship game. Some people outside can go, that's not realistic. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. It doesn't matter. This is about perception and reality. In Lane Kiffin's mind, it is realistic, and that's what he wants to do. That's his, that's his perception, so it is reality inside that building, which means that you can't treat every single game on the schedule like emotional Armageddon. doesn't work. won't work. You'll wear a team out. You know that. You coach. Kids are people. You can't do it. Um, so... For Ole Miss to get where Ole Miss wants to go, for Ole Miss to get where Lane Kiffin wants Ole Miss to go, the truth is Mississippi State, at least the current machination of Mississippi State, has to become an afterthought. It has to become like Kansas is to Kansas State. It has to just become this, yeah, we're just going to kill you. We're just going to beat you. Yeah, it might get emotional. It might get a little weird and squirrely here and there, but we're going to beat you nine times out of ten. And and Ole Miss has never been able to get there. But that has to be where they're going, and that's where Kiffin's trying to get it. So I, I don't think it's that he's distancing himself, Pete, from the emotion of the rivalry. He knows it's a big rivalry. He knows it matters to the people in, in inside the inside the, the the state and the people inside the building. And he knows that Mississippi State's going to want to spoil their season and knock them out of the all of, of New Year's Six chance and 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 probably knock them out of the Citrus Bowl, depending on the outcome of the LSU game. He he knows those things, but he can't. He's not if he gets into all of that at least publicly. You get away from the pro mindset thing that you're preaching to your team 365 days a year. You've got to be consistent with your messaging if you want the messaging to truly resonate with your players. And he does. And and so I, I thought it was big when he, before the Georgia game, admitted, hey, I've approached this Alabama thing differently. And I've done the exact opposite of what I tell them I want them to do. And I've freaked out. And that's made them freak out. So this week, it's no, it's process. We're getting ready. For Thursday, we'll go play Thursday, and then after that, we'll look up, and they want 10 wins badly because they want to win a bowl game and win 11 for the first time. He wants to sell that, and he wants to have momentum going into next season because next season is going to be a completely different season than any season we've had before because it's a 12-team playoff. It's different than a four-team playoff where Ole Miss was eliminated from the four-team playoff against Georgia. That was it. No more. If there were a 12-team playoff this year, they're playing for it. They're playing for it. Saturday's really, Thursday's really big. And then on Friday, assuming you win, everybody's putting on their hog hat and their Michigan State hat, and they're just begging for an upset. They're hoping for chaos, right? Well, that's going to be a completely different kind of a setup than, than what this is, which is you're not going to the final, you're not going to the four team playoff. That's out. So you're having to generate a different kind of energy for other things. And I think to Kiffin's credit, I really think he's a very smart guy. And I think he is trying to condition his program to get ready for that what for what's coming a year from now as I do my Nick Saban thing with my hands I, that's that's what he wants to do I do think he's forward thinking I don't think he's obsessed over the rivalry aspect of this because he knows he has to get past that for his program to max out because as you and I were talking Ole Miss at its maximum capacity just the engine just purring like a kitten right like a damn Lamborghini just flying around you still can't control Alabama, Georgia. You got to have help there because those are those are even finer tuned machines with with higher horsepower and and the ability to just go faster than you. Yeah, there, there are certain programs that are just anomalies right now. Yeah, right? yeah, and you so can't control them. You can't control what they do, but you can control what you do. And if you maximize where you are, and Ole Miss has done it a little bit, you've seen close to maximizing. You can stay on the track with those teams. And hope that they have a blowout. Hope that uh, a, an engine blows a gasket. And, and you know, you got to have some help. Because if their car runs max and your car runs max, their car is going to win. But but you, you, can, you can put yourself in position to be on the track and win. If you're maximizing, Mississippi State's not even on the track with you. You're just, you're just lapping them. And you're, you're no longer thinking about them. Your guy in, the, in your ear is telling you about the 
the Alabama car, the Georgia car, the LSU car, probably the Texas car here pretty soon. That's that's kind of what you're talking about, in my opinion, at least. And I think it's an opinion Lane Kiffin shares, but he can't articulate that because that would put a level of 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 message message board and all that stuff on the you know I'm, I'll get attacked for saying this, but it it doesn't make it not true. He he's he is smart enough to understand if you make a big deal out of this publicly and outside of your locker room, it becomes a big deal. In particular, if you lose, he yeah. he also knows that you can't just publicly come out and say we don't respect them and we're treating them just like an, any other game. Like he he's got to walk that line, right? Because because there is one that exists, and you know, I think an interesting point too that I thought of while you were talking. You know, for a long time, a a large percentage maybe not always the majority but a large percentage of the roster they were they were mississippi guys or they were guys that that you know whether they were from memphis or from birmingham they were in the footprint of the egg bowl and and the understanding of what that looks like and being surrounded with or roommates with guys that were raised hearing about the egg bowl nonstop but you look at the current makeup of the roster and you look at it, it, not just at Ole Miss, but what the portal has done, right? And 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 what that means for rivalries, it it dilutes it a little bit, I think, in a lot of cases. Because, you know, I'm just going to use an example. I, I've really enjoyed watching Washington play this year. And one of their best players last year was playing in the Egg Bowl for Mississippi State. And he's going to go play in the Apple Cup next week. What does that mean to him? Because he's he's not from the Pacific Northwest. Like for him, it's let's <clears throat> let's be in the college football playoff. Like right, that's and, and I think same deal. You look at you look at the Ole Miss roster, and and you look at guys and yeah, guys that were on this team last year. You take a Jordan Watkins who has no ties to the Egg Bowl, but was on the roster last year when they got embarrassed. It probably does mean something to him. Um. But a lot of these other guys that are playing a lot of football for Ole Miss right now, what does this game mean to Trey Harris? You know, Priest Corn was asked about it, and he was like, you know, I've already played them a couple of times when I was at Memphis, and you yeah, can tell yeah. you, he's a kid from Michigan. You could kind of tell he's like, I mean, it's a big game because we want to get to 10. It's a big game because we want to get to the the Access Bowl or the Citrus Bowl. We want to do that. You know, and that was a preseason goal. We want to be able to look back and go, hey, we got double-digit wins. But you could almost see him doing the – I'll give you a little behind the scenes thing, Pete. Without, I won't name the company because it kind of got a little argumentative over the last couple of days. There's a company that wanted to contract with me and MPW Digital to do an interview with Spencer Sanders. And at first, I was like, "Yeah, I'm all in. Let's, I'd love to talk to Spencer. Like, I'm really curious." And then it was like, "Okay, but it's to preview the Egg Bowl, I don't know how how's Spencer going to talk about the Egg Bowl." And like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I mean, he, he's never been in it. Right. Um, he's probably not playing in this one unless something weird happens. And I'm not going to talk about, hey, do you want Jackson to get hurt? Because the answer to that is no, I don't want Jackson to get hurt. That's not who he is. You know, I was going to, hey, I got to ask him, do you regret this decision? Did this, how, what happened? How did you end up here? And I'm like, the story with Spencer Sanders is really why. Right. Why are you here? Not a criticism. Why are you here? And He's like, no, the guy was like, no, we, we want him to talk about the game. And I said, well, how can he? He didn't, yeah, he didn't, know, he, he didn't know anything about the egg bowl. He can't tell you about the 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 how it feels different or doesn't feel different. Or I'm, I'm, well, I'm not doing that. So it in, fell apart. In his mind, all, all he can do is compare it to a bedlam game that he's played in, but he has no frame of reference for what this is. And, yeah, and that's the case with there. a lot of these rosters. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the reality. And so the Dylan um, Johnson comparison's a great one. I mean, Dylan Johnson's played in the in the in the Egg Bowl, but he's going to the Apple Cup, and someone up there's going to say, you know, how do you think this compares to the Egg Bowl? He's going to be like, I don't know. I mean, I, I have not done it. How do you think yeah, this I, dish compares compares to this dish? Well, I've had this dish like five times, but I've never eaten that. I have no idea. Could, I, I need to try it first, and then I'll tell you what I think. No, no, we want you to talk about it now, even though you've not tasted it. Well, how the hell am I going to do that? Right. And it becomes a media thing. And, and so you get these canned quotes about, 
oh yeah, you can tell this game means a whole lot to people and whatever, whatever, whatever. Is that enough? Yeah, have you enough for your soundbite now? I mean, it's it's kind of like that. It's it's and and programs that are heavy in the portal, and Ole Miss is certainly one of them, at least to this point. They're going to have some of that where you have to kind of coach through that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I'll say this. There are certain rivalries that when you go, when you sign with the school, you understand. And and I, I do think that, that the Egg Bowl is one of the better rivalries in college football. And, and you can call that bias all you want to. I just, having been on the sidelines for those games, having – you know, held, raised in a household where, you know, my father and then both of my younger siblings graduated from Mississippi State, and I'm the only smart one in the family that, that chose the right locate, right? You know, all that, I'm biased towards the Egg Bowl, but I've also, I, I've just, I've seen it so many times where it hasn't mattered on a national stage, but it but it has mattered in a lot of ways in perception within the state. And that's the one thing about the Egg Bowl is I think that, um, you know, look, the Iron Bowl, it doesn't matter whether you transfer in as a junior or commit to them as a sophomore in high school. If you sign with Alabama or Auburn, the Iron Bowl, because it has been a, it has been a game of national prominence since Nick Saban arrived in Tuscaloosa. One of those teams has had an opportunity to go play for an SEC title almost every year. Every year except game, one, I think. Yeah, my my, you know, my wife grew up twenty minutes from Ohio Stadium, and and when Michigan and Ohio State play, that game has been a game of of conference and national prominence for a long time, and and the reality is, Mississippi State Ole Miss has not always been a game of national prominence, and and what it is, however, in my opinion, is one of those it is always the underdog's chance to just knock somebody off their perch a little bit. And, and in a lot of ways, and, and uh, the state of Mississippi, I think a lot of times likes the idea of knocking somebody off their perch, because I don't know if the state of Mississippi and the people of the great state of Mississippi always feel that they get the recognition that they deserve for being who they are and what they've accomplished. Um, And, and that's outside of the realm of football, but it certainly exists within that. And so, I think that um I think that that you know for that matter it makes this such a great rivalry. But to that point, there's going to be a lot of people that don't understand it until they get inside of it. And if Lane Kiffin spends all week talking about what a big deal it is and you lose it, what happens? If you yeah. spend all week talking about this they're a nobody to us and you overplay that card and you lose what have you done in your locker room, right? There, there's so many things at play, but I, the the short turnaround, there's just, again, there's so, I, I hate the game being played on Thanksgiving, personally. He does too. Um, I, I, I think, and, and I hate it from a coach's standpoint. I yeah. love the fact that it's on national television and everybody's going to be, you know, in their trip to Fancoma and, and, and watching it. And, and that's great from a marketing standpoint if you're a program of relevance. Right. And, and right now, Mississippi State is not. Now, their discussion is going to be about who's the next head football coach. And that's one that may not get answered for a minute. Um, and for Ole Miss, the discussion is going to be they're going to talk about two weeks ago in Athens. That's what they're going to talk about when they talk about Ole Miss on, on Thursday on television. Um, in particular, if Ole Miss doesn't get off to a good start and can't get control of this game. So I'm curious to see how it goes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All yours. All right. Um, pardon me, battling a little bit of a cold, um, but we'll, we will power through. So, you know, talking obviously with you, Neil, beforehand and, and talking about uh, this game, I, I think so much of it just comes down to um, the, the the defense for um, – and I just I realized I made a mistake real here. I'm going to fix it real quickly. But the, the defense for Mississippi State is far and away the, the strength of their program, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and I think the numbers show that. Obviously, defensively uh, – or offensively, Ole Miss, Mississippi State rather – has had uh they've had some injuries. You know, they're a better football team with Will Rogers on the field. There's no doubt about that. Uh I think Jaquavius Marks is a good running back. Um, you know, what is tough for them and and what ultimately I think ended up being tough for Zach Arnett is is their transition to go from an air raid program into the style of offense that they're trying to play was never going to be a transition that was easy to accomplish in one year. Now, in theory, if you manage it properly, the portal gives you a chance. And part of that comes with with just the way that your offensive line has to be built and developed. It comes with the 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 tight ends that you're going to play with. They're going to be different than what Mike Leach and the Air Raid wanted to use. Um, you know, I there's nothing about Will Rogers that says he can't be successful in the type of offense that that uh Mississippi State is trying to play right now. There's nothing about their receivers that that don't give them a chance. But offensively it was going to be a tough transition because of all the just the change in physicality and the style of play. And they've struggled to be consistent with that, especially with Marks and Rogers on the sideline. They've struggled. They've got a couple playmakers on the outside. And they've struggled to be able to consistently get them to ball. Defensively, that's where Zach Arnett's always hung his hat as a defensive coordinator, once highly regarded. You know, he 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 turns over play calling duties, but he's still very involved in that room. And in defense is where they want to win ball games. And so we're gonna look at some of what they do defensively. I've got some clips from the Alabama game earlier this year. Um, and I tried to focus on on formations and schemes that are similar to what Ole Miss does offensively, not all of the necessarily too tight stuff that you see a ton of from Alabama, because that's not really, I think, where where you're going to see Ole Miss try to play this ballgame. Went back and looked and kind of compared this defense to what they did against Ole Miss last year when Ole Miss didn't have its best game. Um, and, and I, you know, there, there's a lot of similarity. It's not like they've suddenly just overhauled the scheme, even though Arnett's not calling plays, you know, the, the idea to me for Mississippi state is the biggest thing is this last year, particularly on the edge at corner, they were a good football team. Their secondary was, was they were more talented last year. Um, they're not a poor defense by any means. I think they're, 46 overall in the country in total defense. I, I looked it up. Um, you know, they're, they're two linebackers. Uh, Nathaniel Watson, Jet Johnson have both put up huge numbers. They're one and two in the SEC in, in, in total tackles. But it's not a defense that they, they don't create a ton of sacks. Um, Ole Miss is ahead of them statistically in the number of sacks created. Um they're not a defense that turns the ball over a ton. There haven't been a ton of interceptions. Um, and, and some of those interceptions, I feel like, or, you know, I know Jet Johnson, I think, may lead the team in interceptions as a linebacker. They're coming underneath. They're not necessarily from the secondary guys. And I think, especially if you watched the LSU game, now we've seen LSU torch everybody with their combination of quarterback and wide receiver play, but teams have found ways to attack the secondary when they can manage and, and kind of mitigate the pass rush that you get uh, from this, this Mississippi state defense. So kind of give you some ideas. So they, they base out of a three man front, uh, but they're, they're very multiple. They'll end up in some four man looks, some three man looks, they'll end up in some five man looks, but the big thing is they are going to base play with three safeties on the field at all times. 
And and sometimes those safeties get very involved in the run game. Sometimes they're going to play deeper and they're going to try to uh, protect a lot of things down the field. So this is first play Bama's offense. This is in Starkville early in the season. I think it's game five. Um, and they're going to come out and they're going to play a two high shell. So they're going to play uh, some type of a cover four look. They're going to enter this safety into the box so that they get an extra fitter. And when they're doing this and they're going to keep those both safeties deep, which again, that's what ULM did to Ole Miss last week. When they're going to keep both of those safeties deep, then they're going to rely a lot on movement up front defensively to try and stymie the run game. Okay. So here you're going to see that they're going to work twist with their defensive line to try and affect the run fit for the zone blocking scheme here that Alabama uses. Now, no different than the scheme you see a lot out of Ole Miss offensively right here, and you'll see both D tackles are going to work out. Both ends are going to work back underneath. And on this particular clip, Alabama is able to get clean up to the 44, which is Johnson. Okay. They're able to get clean up to 14 and Alabama is able to, able to spurt this a little bit of a run. Where Ole Miss has struggled, in particular last week, but even at times during the Georgia game, and we know the talent of Georgia certainly plays a factor, but where Ole Miss struggled last week was in communication on the offensive front, okay? And as I watched it, there were clips where you could see guys trying to talk and things just weren't getting sorted out the way that you hope they get sorted out. So Ole Miss, when you're running these zone schemes, we have to be on the same page. How are we going to handle this? If you get in a situation where 71 chases 94 right there, you're going to turn a linebacker free. It's the type of thing we saw a couple times last week in the ULM game when the Ole Miss coaches go back and watch that film. It's something that I'm sure that, that they they looked at and they discussed. You watch here. You watch, uh, you watch the center for Alabama does a great job. He's trying to work his zone combo, and he recognizes – when the tackle goes away and he doesn't get an immediate plug by the backer, he's going to get his eyes back outside to catch the twist. If he is over-aggressive, steps to his tackle, and then chases upfield, the twist is going to come right back underneath and make the play, but he's able to sort it out right there. So Alabama does a great job right there in this duo concept of getting everybody on their track, getting hats on hats, and not turning anybody loose. But if you don't handle that movement, if you can't communicate all of that movement, then uh, Mississippi State is certainly going to try, um, try, try to hurt you there. Okay, coming back, this is another first and ten. This is just a few plays later in the drive. Okay, it's another concept you see a ton from Ole Miss, which is going to be a split zone. So they're going to zone the whole offensive line uh, to the right. And then they're going to take the tight end back across to the other side where he's going to try to build the wall in the backside C-gap, okay? Heavy scheme for Ole Miss. Again, you'll notice three high safeties for uh, Mississippi State. The third one has rolled down over the slot. They're showing this cover two shell, but what they're going to do is rotate late into cover three. They're going to rotate the boundary safety down, they're going to get out with that corner. There is RPO opportunity for Ole Miss, but because of all the rotation at safety, Dart's going to have to do a great job with his eyes, understanding where to attack. To the outside, you see here at the top of the screen, if that receiver were to be running any type of a hitch route or an out route, okay, there's a lot of grass there for an easy throw and catch. What Ole Miss likes to do in this scenario is bring him across in this glance route or this bang eight, where he's typically going to push vertical for five steps, try to cross face, and Dart's going to read this boundary safety. If that safety rotates down, they have a lot of faith in pulling to throw that ball behind him. Last week, Ole Miss got lucky. ULM dropped an interception. Dart tried to throw the same route to Dayton Wade on the first quarter, um, and Wade slipped on the play, and it just bounced right off ULM's chest. Um you know, so oh, Dart's going to have to do a good job of recognizing is there rotation coming from the safety or are they going to play force with the corner? They like to rotate with the safety in part because it adds a fitter to an interior gap now. Now, the other things you're going to see here is just another example of movement 
from this Mississippi State defense. Okay. So they will move bodies around. So here, 94, big defensive lineman, they will stand him up and move him around a decent bit. He's not always in a three-point stance. So they're going to get into essentially, you know, they're showing two down linemen and essentially three stand-up backers in the box. By the time this ball snapped, they're essentially in a four-man front. And there again, they're going to work a twist. So they're going to bring 26 now is going to work inside. They're going to loop 22 all the way around to the weak side edge. Okay. Again, Alabama does a decent job. They almost, almost miss. And this, this really should have been a, could have been a bigger play, but the late movement by Mississippi State right there for 26 to get inside and get that, that kind of running start into B gap. If this tackle handles 26 by himself, the tight end coming around kicks out 22 and the back's got a bigger gain. Because of the timing of 26, he beats the tackle with penetration. The tight end has to pick him up and 22 is able to fall back in and affect the play uh, more so than he would have otherwise. Now, the other piece of that is if you can wall off or wash 26 and not allow penetration, it is going to be easier for the back to stay vertical, which is going to make it easier for the lineman to get up to 14. Here, the back has to cut back early. The offensive lineman, the guard, 52, he's expecting this ball to hit here. So he's playing for 14 at an angle to stay square, expecting the ball to be there. But when the ball cuts back so early, Watson's able to play over the top of it and, again, be effective and be, be a part of the tackle. Still, it's a solid game for Alabama. They sorted it out well. As maligned as that front was early in the season, they've really come on late in the season for Alabama. And really since the Ole Miss game, they've started to play much, much better um, up front. Um, here's another look at a first and 10 run just later. Uh, now getting into the second quarter of this ball game. Okay. So this is uh, just an RPO, kind of like we talked about a second ago. You got to do a really good job if you're Jackson Dart of recognizing where's the rotation coming from. Typically when he sees this look and he sees the three safeties, what he's going to expect is for this field safety or this boundary safety to come rolling down into the box, in particular behind a linebacker that is going to be blitzing, okay? Here, he's going to misread this. This is 100% a handoff read for him at quarterback, but Milrose expecting the rotation, pulls it to throw right now. He is thinking, if I were betting money, I would bet that pre-snap, he's expecting pressure here, rotation, with a bail corner, and he's thinking, I'm going to throw my stop route to the boundary. Well, here they don't rotate. They stay cover two to this side. So the corner is going to squat. He has no reason to play with depth right here. He's got one receiver to his side with safety help over the top. So the corner is going to squat. Milrow goes to pull the ball to throw it. His receiver's not expecting the throw because his receiver's blocking. So nothing there. He's going to get out, try to make something happen, and he's able to, you know, he does a good job of trying to get out and gain five yards with his feet. But they play enough games in that secondary. They'll show you enough different looks. You've got to be great in the RPO game of understanding when to throw that ball, when to hand that ball off. And, you know, if you go to the end zone copy of this one, you can see the snap is off a little bit, but you've got six guys against the five-man box right there you need to hand that ball off and let your back either make the back door cut or jump out the front side of this because there is nothing about what they presented on the back end that makes it a read. So Ole Miss does a good job, and Jackson Dart typically does a good job of seeing things in the RPO game. They will have to uh, have to be dialed in there on Thursday night because I'm sure that, uh, you know, that's one thing. If you're Mississippi State right now, in some ways, those assistant coaches and in particular those coordinators, uh, they're auditioning for a job, be it in Startful or somewhere else next season and most likely somewhere else. Um, but they also have nothing to lose 
right? <laughs> um, so, you know, they, they could potentially be very aggressive, um, out of the box, which is, is, would not be, um, a, a far departure from what this Mississippi State team likes to do, uh, defensively anyway. So this is a third and six, and this is where, uh, Mississippi State really likes to be aggressive. When they can get you anywhere from third and seven to third and four, they like to get aggressive, they like to pressure, and they will play a lot of cover one. So they'll play man free with a one one high safety. This is a third and six against Bama in the second quarter. So Bama's going to start and they're they're going to use motion here to help show the quarterback for sure what the coverage is. So there's the rotation. You see him coming down. So he is a free safety in the middle of the field, and they are playing man to man elsewhere. Okay. They are going to get into the pressure game here. And they are going to work. And it's it's a common pressure. It's one Ole Miss has seen from almost everybody they've seen. It looks like a six-man pressure from the jump, but what they're going to do is simulate the pressure, and then they're going to spy with two players to actually only end up in a four-man rush. So you're they're going to step to secure, make sure the tackle sets to them. He's going to bail out to spy. He's going to pressure, bail out to spy, and then what they're going to do is they are probably going to go outside with him, and then they're going to work a cross-dog stunt with these backers where they're going to cross, and they're going to try to catch the late looper coming open in B-gap right here. So you see the manipulation of the protection. It shows as a six-man pro. It sorts itself out into a five-man pro or four-man rush. Uh, Alabama does a great job picking this up, sorting everything out. McClellan um, is so good in pass protection. He really is. Oh, he's, yes. I mean, he's he's he almost loses – watch him. He almost loses his balance right here. Mm-hmm. He sets. He's square. He's got independent hands right there. He almost loses his balance, and he just resets and keeps his feet going, and it's yep. really impressive. Now yep. – You go back to the wide shot of this, and I said this earlier, Mississippi State is still good up the middle defensively. They're not great on the back end defensively. Um, They're not playing a lot of press, uh, especially with these safeties. And so when they Alabama got them into these situations, got the man-to-man, they found ways to attack the safeties. And that's what most teams have done to find success on the secondary. You go back to the LSU game, and it was absolute Malik Neighbors torching their safeties from the slot, not on the outside, um, in the passing game. So I, I think whether you see Ole Miss with a lot of uh, a lot of Watkins, which has been the, the case all season long, whether you see him move Trey Harris inside some, um, I think you will see a lot of Ole Miss trying to attack these safeties um, on Thursday. Okay. Now, this is another first and 10. All right. And, uh, again, getting into a bunch set to run the same duo concept I, I showed you on the very first play. Again, it's one that Ole Miss goes to. This was second play of the game for Ole Miss. It was third play of the game for Ole Miss and several times last week against ULM. But they're just trying to build out these combos. Okay. Uh, here you, you will see if you can control the interior and get movement. Like here, <coughs> Alabama's able to get movement on the nose. They handle the nose well, and when they when you're able to get movement on the nose and you can control that nose, and when here, you know, pre-scoring is going to play a big role in this game because you see what 81, the tight end for Alabama, doesn't do a great job digging out this defensive end. But if he can dig out this defensive end, it now makes it harder for Johnson to fit the football. And he's really good. I mean, he, he is a good linebacker. Good box player, has a real good understanding of leverage and fit. He understands the ball should cut back there. He backdoors it, but they lose the front side fit. So the ball is able to spit on a first and 10 for, for a solid gain. And part of the reason they lose the backside fit is they do a great job at left guard here, handling 14. And if I were a betting man, I would say that 14 was either supposed to end up in A gap with a safety in B gap or, <coughs> excuse me, this, uh, he's in B gap and the safety's supposed to fold into A, 
Neither one of them get there. So the ball is able to spit because, but it comes back to the ability to handle the front with your down lineman um, and with your tight end. All right, moving on uh, just a, you know, a little bit uh, farther down the road. So now this is another, um, this is a second and six. All right. So now, okay. Playing more of a zone match principle, not a true uh, straight up man to man across the board right here. All right. They are going to go uh, with, again, with that cross dog blitz. They're going to bring their pressure here, okay? And what they're what they're doing here now is he's man-to-man. He's man-to-man expecting help underneath. <clears throat> man-to-man here, man-to-man here. These two safeties, because of the split of these two receivers, these two safeties are probably playing – excuse me, some version of combo. If this guy were to go to the flat, he would take him and he would now find this receiver. Okay. They're both playing with outside leverage though, because they know their help is here and they're probably going to get somebody popping out underneath here. So Alabama, again, back to the three by one, they go back to the, uh, back to the crossing routes right here. Again, there they are attacking the safety when you catch them in the cover one, all right, let me go back to my wide angle there. Uh, when you catch them playing this coverage, if you can handle the pressure and this this stunt, the blitz they show here to, is the number one blitz I see on film. Because they know they play with this leverage to have inside help, if you can flush the inside safety, there is space <laughs> to work this ball over the middle. And that's exactly what Milrow is able to do here. They take number three right down the chute. He buries both of these safeties. The number two receiver in the slot does a good job. He sets his guy up, shows the outside move, crosses face, creates a ton of separation. It makes for an easy throw. You watch it from the end zone. <laughs> Again, presents as a six-man rush. There they go, Thirty, the two ends, 36 and 37, I believe, maybe 33. They both pop out. They show the pressure. They're trying to set it up for the the blitz between the two inside linebackers. Alabama does a great job. The tailback in particular does a great job sorting it out, and that is one of the strengths, I think. Um, Judkins probably doesn't get enough recognition for how good he is in pass protection, but does a great job of the pickup right there, makes it an easy throw and catch. So, you know, I I think – State has not been as aggressive as I remember them being at times in the past. And I think part of it is they don't want to put their secondary on an island too often, much like Ole Miss does not want to do right now uh, with the current makeup of their roster. Um, You know, this is one that I think you'll see potentially a good bit uh, out of this defense against Ole Miss because of Ole Miss and how much they want to run the football. So from a coverage standpoint here, again, it's going to be too high safety. They're basically playing cover four uh, to the field. They're playing cover two to the boundary here because of the reduced split. But really what I want to show you is from this end zone copy. It's still the same front structure. Okay, They, 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 they don't have any additional defensive lineman bodies on the field, but they're going to basically by the time this ball is snapped – end up in a five-man front and, and what's what's come to be known as is the bear front. Okay. So they have two B gap defenders. In this case, they're standing up. A lot of times they'd be traditionally with their hand in the ground. They have C gap defenders, in this case again, standing up off the edge. And then they have the nose. The nose is either going to play a center kill technique or a two gap technique, or he's going to slant one direction or the other and the mic is going to play opposite of that slant. So here you can see they're playing the center kill, so he's playing two-gap. He's going to play right into the center, and he's going to try to play on the backside of the center's block. So as he fills the center step and turn to go back uh, to the the defense, the nose tackle's left, he's going to stay in the front side A-gap. That's going to keep it clean <clears throat> for 44 to now scrape over the top. When you're an offense that doesn't play with two tight ends or a tight end or a fullback, this front can give you problems because you are one man short. You have six blockers here to effectively block seven. If you're not reading somebody as an offense, 
you are actually outnumbered. So what you want to happen here if you're Alabama is you would like this puller to actually come back for 44 because you can't get to him. There's no double team to get to him because of the front. So you would prefer 45, probably block the mic 44, and now the running back is on his own on number seven right here. And if you're Ole Miss, the way that you try to control that is I go back to the wide copy and show you how the whole thing plays out. So they they start this snap pre-snap, and it comes back to having great eyes at quarterback. They want you to think that he's the down player and he's the deep player. What they're actually going to do is they're going to rotate these two, and he's going to spin down to become the extra fitter as the curl player, and he's now going to back up to be the deep safety. Okay, If you see it coming, any type of an outside RPO – <laughs> has a chance to play. Okay. Here, Milrow doesn't like it pre-snap. Okay. They've and they're just, Alabama's just got it called to go block everybody here anyway. But what they've done is pre-snap before they rotate, the slot receiver for Alabama likes his angle to go block the safety. Once the rotation happens, he has no angle. So you have to be able, if you're Ole Miss, to do one of two things. Either have an RPO plan so that as this happens, you can still get the ball out here in space where he's going to be out leveraged. Or you have to have a plan <laughs> to motion and account for him. Okay. Here they don't account for him. The puller ends up pulling for him. And now 44 ends up free in the hole to make the stop at the line of scrimmage. <clears throat> so as you see this Mississippi State defense start to get two backers up into B-gap at the line of scrimmage. They're getting into this bear front to stop the run. I think this is an early down. Ole Miss also has a tendency, I think, to run the ball a ton on second and long um, because they they go for it so much on fourth down. So they're willing to run it on second and long. I think you'll see this a lot uh, out of the state defense on second and long. Um, and, you know, again, if you don't have a plan for it, it can stymie you and keep you behind the sticks. Um, kind of last one I want to show you here. This is a, a, a it is a second and long uh, from the Alabama offense here. Okay. And I'm showing this to you because this is a scheme in the passing game that Ole Miss uses several times throughout the course of a game. Okay. And that is where they are going to clear out one half of the field typically with post routes by the outside receivers, and they're going to bring the backside guy across and try to hit the window that has now been vacated by your two clear-out routes. Ole Miss does it. Everybody in the country does it. Ole Miss does it probably as much as anybody. And you, you can see here their window is there. What you have to do a good job of, and this is where where I think State does a really good job on this particular play, and also where Alabama probably should do a better job is as this plays out, Alabama or Ole Miss, does, or excuse me, Mississippi State does not bite on the run fake. Here you see Alabama's, they're, they're pulling a the guard. They're trying to show you that it's run, and you can see Jet Johnson has already got a read. He's already – he is not concerned with run game right there, okay? 14, not overly concerned with run game right there. They are confident in their read. So they're going and they're building this depth right here. They know to look for crossers. They know how much this Ole Miss offense likes to use them. <laughs> the next thing they do well here is these two guys are, they're doing what we call playing on the string. Nobody's going, they're not a my, you know, they're not going to take the bait. They're not going to attack the underneath guy right now. They're working laterally in sync to expand with him without giving up this intermediate grass behind them. What you'd like if you're Alabama is for this player to work into this void here. And instead he works flat and he allows the safety to get back underneath and almost make the play. And it's a hell of an adjustment by the receiver to go up and make the catch, but it doesn't have to be that hard. What Ole Miss will have to do is do a great job. If, if, if State can be this disciplined in their reads, if they can see things that clearly, have that much of an understanding of what's going on in these underneath defenders, because, again, 
this is where I see the interceptions coming from in this defense more often than not. It's the underneath guys, not the guys that are back down the field playing uh, deep coverage necessarily. But understand those adjustments. Be willing to take the check down when it's there. Um, And there's certainly opportunity. Teams have scored on this defense all season long. There's no reason to think that if Ole Miss can't control the line of scrimmage that they can't do the same. So, But it, it should be an interesting game. Um, if Ole Miss is healthy, they're the better roster, plain and simple, for the makeup of what they want to do. You know, you say you can throw rivalry games out the window, and to some degree you certainly can, but I'm sure Mississippi State will show up motivated. I'm sure Ole Miss will too. Um, and it's just going to boil down to line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yep. I think so too. I, I've, I've seen State play in person this year. Um, defensively, they're, they're, uh, they're physical up front. You're, you're right. They're, they're not, there's no Forbes on this team. Uh, there's, no. there's no lockdown corner. I mean, he was great. Um, and, and their safeties, it was the thing Arkansas couldn't exploit that day because they didn't have any vertical passing in. They couldn't exploit the safeties. It was like, what are we doing? And so state started putting nine in the box and it's hard for six to block nine. Just math, as you've taught us over the last couple of years. A lot of times it's a math equation. Ole Miss can exploit things vertically. They can exploit safeties. And I think as long as they can hold up in protection at the tackles, not get this costly holds, not get the busted stuff, keep Jackson fairly clean. I just think over the course of 60 minutes, they're the better team and they're going to win the game. It's kind of what I, where I see it going. I, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think any time I think anytime you're in a rivalry game and a game that is going to have some emotion – from both sides, I and mean, let's after all the talk, let's not kid ourselves and say there won't be emotion on the Ole Miss side. Oh, of course, there's certainly things that they want to achieve, but there's certainly going to be a lot of emotion in the other locker room. And you know the the social media clips going viral of Greg Knox driving the four wheeler in the in the locker room and the kids going nuts. And you know I'm sure he'll have something else to to motivate that team. If Ole Miss can weather, if the storm shows up early in that game and Ole Miss can weather it. Right. There, there's no reason to believe that they won't take over in that ball game. Um, assuming that, that Ole Miss is healthy and, and like you said, can, can keep Jackson dark clean. I, I think, um, curious to see about weather. I know right now there's a chance of it being cold and rainy. Um, you know, uh, and, and seeing who, who that really plays into. Um, Ole Miss or at Mississippi State is going to try to put one and two tight ends on the field and run a ton of stretch. Um, and, and miss and Ole Miss is going to have to do a much better job defensively fitting the run than they have the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and get Mississippi State off the field. Cause that's the other big thing is, um, Ole Miss is, you know, st- state is going to want to eat clock offensively mm-hmm. and keep Ole Miss off the football field. <laughs> and early in the game, if Ole Miss has trouble, uh, whether it be score from far or just sustaining drives. Um, if if they have trouble kind of getting things clicking earlier, they may not get a ton of chances early in that game if Mississippi State's having success running the football because that is the style of ball that they want to play right now is to slow you down and kind of take their spots. We've been brought to you, as I mentioned earlier, by Twisted Tea. It's unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that feels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. And while we're toasting, here's a toast to uh, you, Pete, and also to the people at Riverland for making this show possible. It's uh, something that everybody loves. Everybody loves this show. They're always asking, hey, when's the when's the thing going out? What time of Thursday is it going to air? This week it's going to come out on a Tuesday because they're playing on Thursday, but usually it's on Thursday. And uh, the behind-the-scenes part of this that you guys don't see is Pete puts a lot of work into getting ready for this show uh, each and every week. We have to battle some copyright stuff because people are weird about film and things of that nature. We got flagged once because we had some scoreboard pictures, which was bizarre, but it, it is what it is. It's the stuff that we battle and Pete's pretty unflappable. He just kind of keeps rolling. And I do want to take, uh, we'll have one more show. Obviously, Ole Miss is going to play in a bowl game. 
Maybe it's be an access bowl. Maybe it's the citrus bowl. We'll find out. But uh, we'll have one more show. We'll do this again. But again, our thanks to the people at Riverland Roofing. They uh, jumped out and, and sponsored this back in the summer before you knew what kind of a season Ole Miss would or wouldn't have. And uh, I think they've been more than pleased with uh, their investment. So don't forget, if you are uh, in Mississippi or in a surrounding state, that's Alabama, Louisiana, um, Arkansas, Tennessee, you're in one of those states and you've got some roofing needs, get in touch with the people at Riverland, 662-644-4297. Pete, any uh, any final thoughts before we start getting ready for turkey? Listen, I, I love doing this. It's uh it, it it's fun to me to be able to study a team that I follow and cheer for and, and also be able to just study other coaches and and what they do. Um, you know, it's a lot of the reason that I, I coach football is I, I I enjoy working with young people and trying to mold them into men, but I I love the game and so all the in- intricacies of it. And uh for you and Riverland Roofing and all the people that make this possible, um and, and for the people that watch it, I I, I um it is hard for me to sit in the stands at a game sometimes and listen to people. Um, and every coach says that, right. And it's not that, not that people are dumb. It's just, we all don't know what we don't know. And, and, and that's, uh, that's the reality. And so to have this kind of opportunity to, to hopefully share some of the, the game, because I think it's a great game, um, with, with people and to have people that have reached out, I know to you and people, the feedback that I get, um, is always a big thing. And so, you know, again, for, for you and MPW Digital and, and for Riverland and, and their willingness to step forward and make this possible, um, always enjoy it. Hoping for a great game on Thursday, obviously hoping for a victory. I can kind of rub it into my, uh, my siblings a little bit. Um, but then, uh, and, but looking forward to, to what the bowl game looks like. We're in the middle of silly season. Hopefully it doesn't get too silly in Oxford. Um, and, and looking forward to what the future looks like for this program. Um, I, I think you have seen a lot of growth from last year to this season in the course of this program um, in, in what they've done. I think it's going to be more and more difficult to predict year in and year out what teams are because of the portal, and that's something you and I have talked about all season mm-hmm. long. Yep. But I think that the blueprint that's in place in Oxford is one that a lot of Ole Miss fans should be excited about. So, Agree completely. Safe travels to you, uh, to your family. Hope you have a, a safe trip and a wonderful uh, holiday time with uh, with your family and safe trip back to Georgia afterwards. And uh, we'll touch base after this. We'll get find out whether it's New Year's Day or sometime late December, whatever the case may be. We'll have an, another edition. We'll get you ready for Ole Miss's bowl game in uh, a month or so. So for Pete Deweese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, Enjoy the Egg Bowl, and we will talk to you on the other side. Take care.